Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip. Each week this year, we will hear a Dvar Torah on the weekly Parsha from our Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Aviva Richmond. Let's listen. Hi, this is Aviva Richmond from Hadar with thoughts on Parshat Va'et Hanan. In Parshat Va'et Hanan, Moshe beseeches God. He doesn't get his request. Interestingly, the sages peg this moment of prayer as the entryway to explore the meanings of prayer more widely. Jumping off from the word va'etchanan, and he beseeched, to list ten kinds of prayer, connected to different verbs and different figures in the Torah. Taking Moshe's unanswered prayer as the lens, we are invited into an exploration of what prayer is, entirely detached from the question of whether prayer is answered. Many don't believe God answers our prayers in any direct way. On Tisha B'Av, when we just read the Book of Lamentations, we said of God, You have screened yourself off with a cloud, that no prayer may pass through. Perhaps God only blocked prayer for a passing moment in the destruction of Jerusalem, but articulating this sentiment once a year gives voice to a gnawing anxiety that may be more pervasive. What if our prayers go nowhere? It can feel pointless to pray when we have no sense that God is there on the other end, listening and responding. In our own tour of prayer over the cycle of Parshiot, however, we have encountered robust models for prayer that embrace, rather than evade, a raw and honest accounting of doubts and uncertainties. Prayer comes primarily from doubt, not faith. The first biblical figure we found uttering a prayer through the lens of Midrash was Sarai in Pharaoh's palace. Her prayer names her position in contrast to Avraham, whose faith stems from the clarity of a divine promise ringing in his ears. Sarai boldly speaks up to God, even though God has never spoken to her or made her any promises. For all she knows, God has no interest in a relationship with her at all. Sarah's doubts make her position more similar than Avraham's to our own. Despite our awareness of an inherited covenant, God has never spoken to us directly, nor does any of us carry around a specific divine promise formulated in second person singular. When we pray, we leap into a relationship with God with hope, but no clarity on how God receives us and what lies ahead. Prayer can emerge from dreams disappointed not dreams realized, or even dreams hoped for. We saw that Midrash associates Avraham with the prayer for Shacharit and latches onto the moment when he wakes up early in the morning and looks upon the smoke of Sodom on the horizon, clear evidence that his dream to save Sodom has failed. Nonetheless, in that very state of disappointment, he prayed. Waking up to failure becomes synonymous with prayer. Prayer can come from inheriting someone else's God, not from an organic and sui generis individual relationship with God. The first person in the Bible to utter a formulation that looks anything like our fixed liturgy is the servant of Abraham. When he prays at the well to find a wife for Yitzchak, he invokes God as, quote, the God of my master, Abraham, akin to our formulation in the Amido as we name the God of our ancestors, the God of Abraham. 
Similarly, Moshe, who comes to know God at the burning bush as the God of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, may feel quite distant and alienated from this God with whom he has had no direct relationship. To the extent it feels foreign to pray, that may be a feature rather than a bug. Stepping into this indirect inheritance requires an act of initiative, like Avram's servants and like Moshe's choice to engage. Through our initiative, we can end up finding our own place in relationship with this God we don't really know, and come to articulate our own voice. Prayer reflects courage to dream, even as change seems impossible. This we learn from Moshe, who pleads to enter the land, even as he knows this is against God's will. The root of the word va'etchanan, chet nonun, also resonates with the name of Chana, in the book of Shmuel, often construed as the foremother of prayer. Hannah prays for a child when reality has declared that dream impossible. Her prayer reflects courage, even in the face of taunting and mockery. The Talmud brings an analogy to understand Hannah's prayer, perhaps also a paradigm to understand our own prayer each day. Quote, Hannah said before the Holy Blessed One, Master of the Universe, of all the multitudes of multitudes that you created in your world, is it so difficult in your eyes to give me one child? A parable. To what is this similar? To a king of flesh and blood who made a feast for his servants. One poor person came and stood at the doorway. He said to them, give me one slice of bread. They didn't pay attention to him. He pushed through and came to the king. He said to him, my master, the king of the whole feast that you made, is it so hard in your eyes to give me one slice of bread? Prayer in this parable is about pushing through to the king. It is not at all clear whether the king wants an audience with this person, most likely not, or listens to the request. It is certainly not clear whether the king responds affirmatively. We happen to know from the continuation of the story that Hannah's prayer will be answered with the birth of her child, but that's immaterial to what she teaches us about prayer. What is most well known as a lesson from Hannah is that prayers should be silent, But this parable teaches so much more. Prayer is about pushing through, past adversity, when reality has proven your dreams can't happen, when everyone is ignoring or mocking the dreams you articulate. Prayer is about speaking up when you don't even know if God wants to listen. Every single day, when we take three steps forward to frame our act of prayer at the start of the Amidah, it is an act of courage, like that of the servant in the parable pushing across the threshold to insist on imagining that things can be different. We dream that the world could be a place of justice, that there could be peace, that there could be abundance. It can sound trite. We may hear someone else's voice laughing at our naivete or our own voice of cynicism, but that is the point. The point of prayer is to speak sincerely when it would be much easier to sink into cynicism, to pry the door open even when it is shut in our face a thousand times a day. Prayer involves pushing open a door and being undeterred by obstacles, but it is not always easy to get past the blocks. The contemporary Israeli poet Yehuda Amichai explores prayer in his volume of poetry called Open, Closed, Open, Patuach Sagor Patuach, where he surfaces potential obstacles and creatively plays with new terms of engagement. In one poem, he writes, Even solitary prayer takes two, one to sway back and forth, and the one who doesn't move, that is God. But when my father prayed, he would stand in his place, erect, motionless, and force God to sway like a reed and pray to him. Gamli Tfilat Yachid, 
צריכים שניים. תמיד אחד שמתנועה, והשני שלא נע, הוא האלוהים. אבל כשאבי התפלל, הוא עמד במקומו זקוף ובלי נוע, והכריח את האלוהים לנוע, כמו סוף, או להתפלל אל אבי. Our doubts about whether God listens to or responds to our prayer might leave us with a sense that prayer is an exercise in loneliness. Amichai reminds us that prayer is always relational, even when we pray alone. God may be static and silent, but this creates the context for us to be moved in our prayer. The image of the reed swaying plays off of the picture of someone shuckling or swaying in prayer, but the resonance goes much deeper. Prayer becomes synonymous with feeling moved. This notion of prayer as movement maps onto Hannah leaping across the threshold to speak to God. Prayer becomes an exercise in spiritual movement. Sometimes we do not want to or are unable to be the mover in prayer. Then we might stand in place, cognizant of all the ways in which we feel closed off to God and to prayer. This, too, can be an opening stance for prayer, teaches Amichai. He describes his father standing still, not to shut down the relationship with God, but to open it to a dynamic in which God becomes moved in prayer towards us. In a playful and irreverent way, Amichai here offers language for an ongoing embrace of prayer that simultaneously allows us to give up on the traditional posture. Sometimes we are able to leap courageously into a seeming abyss and propel ourselves into relationship with God through prayer. And sometimes we can't move forward. This prayer that waits for God to take the first step is also an honest form of prayer. When we encounter Moshe, the master of prayer, getting nowhere as he beseeches God this final time, we might have thought it would be better to learn about prayer from one of his many more successful attempts. But Midrash draws our attention to this unanswered prayer as the example to probe prayer more deeply. If we want to learn about prayer in our own lives, Our sages invite us to linger on what doesn't work. Surveying our ancestors, we find many would-be obstacles to prayer. Sarah and Pharaoh's palace services a fear about having no direct assurance that God wants to be in relationship with us. Avraham seeing Sodom's rising smoke on the horizon represents despondency about the state of the world we wake up to. Hannah's experience brings into focus an anxiety about whether our dreams are worth articulating because these dreams have been ignored and mocked. These doubts could shut doors to prayer. Instead, however, we find that prayer holds all of this. Within these potential moments of shutting down, our ancestors birthed prayer time and time again. When we take three steps forward each day, aware of the dead ends, but insisting on showing up, whether to move and push or to stand still, This is the very work of prayer. We're going to do Nechama by Batya Levine in honor of Shabbat Nechama. Nididam Bainam Bainam Nadadam Bainam Nadadam Bainam Bye, da 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 da
This episode of Tashma was produced by Jeremy Tabak and Sam Greenberg. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It's been a pleasure to learn with you.